The European Union wants Europe, including the Western Balkans, to become carbon neutral by 2050. That means abandoning fossil fuels completely. For many people in the region, a life without fossil fuels still seems inconceivable. How would people heat their homes without oil or gas? How would anyone get around or transport goods? Yet, it is also increasingly clear that we have to stop using fossil fuels as quickly as possible to slow global warming. We've asked four experts from the region on whether such radical transformation is possible in such a short time, whether the Western Balkans can become carbon neutral by 2050. Azra Tanovic is a multidisciplinary sustainability professional with a background in environmental and water resources engineering. Denis Zhishko is energy and climate change coordinator at Bosnia and Herzegovina's Center of Ecology and Energy. Anna Cholovic Lesoska is a Macedonian environmentalist. In, in recognition of her efforts and activism, last year she was one of six environmentalists to be awarded the Goldman Environmental Prize. And Zvezdan Kalmar, an expert on energy, transport, and climate change, who's also part of a major coalition of NGOs advocating for green transition of the Serbian society. Can the Western Balkans become carbon neutral by 2050? Is such a radical transformation possible in such a short time? The answer is yes, uh, like every other country in Europe. And uh, I do not agree on the statement you just had that it's short time. We're talking about 30 years. I mean, you can do a lot in 30 years. So the question is only how do you approach the subject and how do you actually start tackling the issue? Well, uh, I think that it's not a question of uh, whether the Western Balkans could become uh, carbon neutral. It's just a matter of um, when this would happen. So I'm not sure about the, the year, but I'm definitely sure that there is this potential that the Western Balkan countries have in the transformation. Uh, the fact that they haven't uh, locked down so much of their investments into fossil fuels uh, with the exception of coal power, but again, not in gas. Um, and this gives them the potential to kind of step up the transformation and achieve carbon neutrality together with the European uh, member states. So my uh, opinion is that this is possible with the right mechanisms and the, the targeted financing in place that it could happen in the prospect like it's looking like now. So with uh, planned investments, uh, with the legal systems, institutional system, and also when we uh, look at the pro profile of uh, ruling, uh, ruling politics in all the countries, uh, this region right now, I cannot say that it will become uh, carbon neutral until uh, 2050. Uh, that, that could be technically and uh, let's say resource-wise possible to achieve if we, if we uh, uh, change uh, a rather significantly legal system, environment, uh, uh, environment of, uh, for investments, and also if we change uh, attitude of the decision makers. So it is yes and no in one answer. The short answer is no, right? Uh, the long answer, I guess, is, is that in the realm of you know, theoretical possibilities, I guess anything's possible. Uh, but in the realm of socio-political, economic, you know, physical realities, the likelihood of that happening is, 
it's just so minimal that it's in practice, you know, impossible, unfortunately. I mean, and for a number of reasons, right? So firstly, the, the Western Balkan region is by no means a monolith. Um, rather, I think of it more of as a, I guess, a convenient nomenclature tool or a political neologism uh, to categorize this group of nations, you know, some of which previously were united under one, others which weren't, but into some sort of, you know, homogenous, like, geographical space, uh, which, it's, which it's not, right? The heterogeneity of these nations, you know, of their politics, of their political ambitions, uh, of their desires and motivations, it's all so vastly variable that it's, you know, presently inconceivable to imagine a coordinated effort on any front, uh, even on something very simple and baseline, you know, things that are, would presumably benefit everyone, trade agreements, open borders, and whatever. Um, so these variables themselves introduce an astounding level of complexity into the equation. Uh, on top of this complexity, there is, of course, the complexity to be considered when discussing carbon neutrality to begin with. Uh, I believe this does imply an adherence to deep decarbonization pathways, uh, which do require a sector-by-sector -sector decarbonization of an entire economy, which is really, you know, it's, it's no small feat. Um, as well, it requires a coordinated effort to offset carbon emissions from one sector by decarbonizing another, concerted efforts to sequester atmospheric carbon, either by increasing forest reserves or, I guess, you know, limiting deforestation, or by man-made um, sequestration technologies, you know, so there's obviously a lot of these variables that make decarbonization rather immensely complex already. So for the Western Balkans, right, this monolith as a whole to, um, you know, to become carbon neutral, we'd, I think, need firstly unanimous agreement from uh, and commitment to carbon neutrality from all of the Western Balkan nations individually, which is unfortunately unlikely to happen. Uh, we would need immediate action for decarbonization in all industries and sectors across the region, which is also quite unlikely to happen. And I think thirdly, unfortunately, we really would have had to have already started, right? So, I mean, I would like to say that we do face a number of very specific issues in the region as well. You know, so the typical estimate is that around, I'd say 50% of energy consumption in cities in particular goes to heating and cooling and buildings and so forth. And the majority of this is, is not based on renewable energy sources, right? So renewable energy sources, are few and far between. I think overall the current estimate is that for Western Balkan countries, uh, renewables account for a little less than 30% of gross energy consumption. Um, I would like to say there are some international funds and projects in place to kind of change this, but they're, you know, they're, they're few and far between. Unfortunately, they're not large scale enough, they're not widespread enough uh, to make the kind of, to meet the energy demand that we're looking at. Um, I do also think it's important to point out that many of these initiatives stem from, you know, international development kind of organizations and aid organizations, uh, and not from the actual political will within the countries, which is, it's problematic, right? Because then what does that say, you know, about the long-term long sustainability of this impact? What does that say about our country's capabilities of, uh, you know, developing this autonomous agency within the countries, right, to, to ensure carbon safe future, uh, or carbon neutral climate safe futures for all of us going forward. So these are definitely all things that we have to consider. In your opinion, uh, what's the risk of the region not going carbon neutral by 2050? Although this looks as, you know, the, the, the silver bullet for solving the, the, the uh, you know, for, for leading the region into the carbon neutrality. There are still some, um, I would say, um, interesting points to look at. And this is avoiding basically the risk of uh, financing um, projects which will not aid the decarbonization and the transformation or, for example, the protection of the biodiversity as one of these pillars of the green agenda. Why am I saying this? Because we've seen the list of the flagship uh, projects 
of the European Commission for the Western Balkans. And uh, some of these projects mean also construction of new hydropower, large, um, for example, also um, expanding the gas uh, infrastructure. So these are the risky bits that we are as CSOs quite concerned about because, um, for example, there is this conflict between the hydropower development and the biodiversity protection, which is uh, obvious. But then again, also when it comes to the gas infrastructure, this region doesn't have the traditional kind of the, the tradition of using gas. So it also becomes an economic burden to the households to transform um, everything in their house um, on, on, on uh, gas, which means that in a, a region where energy poverty and, and you know, uh, these challenges are present, we don't see uh, the transformation leading towards the gas infrastructure as a positive uh, step forward. We, we rather want to see the innovative and technological breakthroughs in the region. And I think the the Western Balkans is the perfect uh, place where innovative approaches can can take place because they will not they will jump a few steps forward in a sense you know they don't have to repeat the mistakes from the from the Western Balkans so from the Western Europe countries um, they they have the opportunity to actually jump a few steps forward and um, start up um, you know more ambitious transformation based on innovation these international projects in place and, and everything, it's really not enough. We would need to switch the majority of the economy, the majority of human power consumption to clean power, which is something that's easier said than done. Um, you know, the majority, it, first of all, it, it's quite expensive, uh, not to mention the trade-offs that must be considered, right? So the small hydropower, you know, boom was an example of this. Uh, and they, you know, these small hydropower plants ended up ruining ecosystems and threatening local communities and destroying waterways. Um, Another option, for example, would be nuclear power, which is, you know, a, a good clean alternative. But of course, you know, it's hard to get community buy-in here because people are, are nervous about living next to nuclear power plants. And I think especially in the Western Balkans, our people are quite skeptical um, in general and a little bit distrustful, which rightfully so, you know, <laughs> because they don't really have much trust in the government or in private sector actors that haven't fought for their interests in quite a while. Um, Another option would be to integrate carbon capture and storage technologies throughout our nations, you know, to help offset emissions. But the extant technologies that we do have for artificial capture and storage, uh, you know, these, these human-made technologies that aren't like forests and oceans and whatever, these natural carbon sinks, they're quite expensive. You know, they're quite expensive to scale up. They require massive amounts of land uh, and water. So that could end up endangering, you know, food and water security in the region. So all of these issues are, are difficult enough, but they are, I think, particularly exacerbated in countries that are economically disadvantaged. You know, if there were, for example, to be this mandate that everyone drive electrical cars, like within the next 15 years, who would pay for that? You know, what would people do with their existing cars? How could they afford the new cars? Um, or what about, you know, the carbon capture and storage technologies? How could we scale those up cost effectively? Uh, how could we do all of this without endangering local communities, without endangering their livelihoods? Uh, the mistake that the authorities are making here now in Bosnia is that instead of using the capacities available and existing capacities, which could last for another 10, 15 years to cover the needs for electricity for the country uh, as sort of a transition period and use these 10, 15 years with the existing capacities to uh, uh, heavily push into the direction of decarbonization in investing in renewables, in smart grids, in connectivity, uh, 
they are actually, uh, for purely political reasons and populism, and the excuse of keeping the uh, jobs of the coal miners, uh, planning to invest in new capacities that would sort of keep them safe for another 30, 40 years, and then start thinking of decarbonization of the energy sector, which is basically uh, they're going to lose money. And more importantly, they're going to lose time because they would not uh, have this, let's say, incentive or, or, or the push, the need to rapidly go into decarbonization because they would be safe. We have one or two new coal power plants which are going to be sufficient to cover the needs of the population. Is it possible to have enough supply of energy from renewables to cover the needs of your country and the region? There, there is, let's call it scientific proof that uh, it is possible to have sufficient uh, supply of energy from renewables to cover the needs of Bosnia and Herzegovina. It's there, existing, it's just a question of going into that direction. And it's purely political decision. But do, do you think it's a question of money? It's not a question of money. If they were in a position to take the loan from the Chinese bank to start building new Tuzla 7 coal power plant, they could have gotten the same amount and even higher a loan from Chinese banks also to build solar panels, I mean, solar, solar uh, uh, photovoltaic uh, plants or wind. So the money is there. It's not a question of getting the money. There are loans anyway. So if you're taking a loan for coal power plants, you could have done the same thing, take a billion to build solars and, and sort, sort out the problem. So what's the reason that they are not doing that? <clears throat> the reason why they're not doing that is the question of control, the question of uh, uh, keeping business as usual, because they have established in the last 25 years a very good uh, system for them how to drain money out of the energy sector. Because the energy sector, there are two sectors which were kept, let's call it under control, uh, by the, I, I call them ruling, because unfortunately they're, they're acting as rulers, not governing, but ruling parties. Uh, and that is the energy sector and telecommunication sector. All other sectors, were basically destroyed through privatization in Bosnia and Herzegovina back in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, the reason why they've kept these two sectors in their hands is because that was the source of income, source of money. They've established the way how to drain money for their political and private interests from these two sectors. These sectors were used to, to, to the base for hiring their political allies, family members and everything, the nepotism in, in the Balkans way. And that's the only reason why they're still alive. Because uh, when we talk about the energy sector, they were actually destroying this sector in this process of 25 years of, of, of their ruling of this sector. Because they were 
not investing properly in that sector. They were, the, 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 let's, let's call it, the business was done in, in, in the economic way. It was done purely led by politics. And uh, the thing is that, as I said, they were draining the money out of the sector, but then subsidizing the losses through the budget of the country. So you have a situation where, where basically the coal mines, which are supplying uh, coal for the production of electricity in the coal power plants, uh, the coal mines are the, under the control of the same company, Electroprivet, that they have. I'm talking now about the Federation. Electroprivet, that they have. The price they pay for that coal to the coal mines, where the mother company is paying the price to, 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 to the daughter companies uh, in the coal mines, is roughly 20% lower than the actual production price of that coal. So they're constantly creating losses because they're not paying the actual commercial price of that coal to the coal mines. And by doing that, they are creating huge losses in the coal mining sector. And then these losses are covered through the budget of this country. So we have a situation where they're constantly pumping in money from the budget to cover the losses in the coal mines, which is mostly related to the health insurance, pension insurance, and all these, the, 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 the needs for the, the workers there. <clears throat> On the other hand, the, the, the part of the company which is selling the electricity is constantly uh, presenting profits. And then these profits are shared uh, among the stakeholders, which is again politics. So they're killing the company from one side and then saving the company from the budget. Uh, all that is done for two reasons. First of all, to keep the artificially low prices of electricity for the sake of keeping the social peace. Instead of having proper social social uh, uh, programs to cover the needs of, of socially vulnerable population and having the normal well market prices of electricity, they would rather the flat price of electricity very low, but subsidized through the budget. And then the second thing is that's the only way that they can actually export electricity from Bosnia because you have to know that Bosnia is the only net exporter in the region in the Balkans country of, of electricity. So by creating this artificially low uh, uh, price of electricity, they're in a position to export that electricity, get some income, get some euros from, from abroad, which they use, we all know how, but that price, the, the price of that electricity is again subsidized by the, through the budget. Azra. Uh, why do you think such a radical transformation is not possible by 2050? So why the Western Balkans do you think uh, cannot become carbon neutral by 2050? Like realistically, 2050 is a little less than 30 years from now. We have no meaningful commitments to do anything really in, in this um, in this climate climate smart sense, aside from nominal commitments. Uh, let alone any policies that would propel us towards carbon neutrality. Our forests are regularly endangered, and I would say many of our countries are some of the world's leading wood exporters. 
Um, and obviously forests are natural carbon sinks. We still run all of our vehicles on, on fossil fuels and nearly all of our factories and industries and everything is basically run on fossil fuel energy. Um, there's absolutely no commitment to environmental protection and extremely limited political will. Uh, the bare minimum of which I will say has only been garner garnered kind of after grassroots activists and organizations literally forced politicians to even pretend to care. Um, so, you know, no, I don't, I don't think we'll be uh, carbon neutral by 2050. Uh, that doesn't mean all hope is lost. I don't think carbon neutral by 2050 is the be all and end all. Uh, obviously, it would be the ideal case scenario, uh, and it's what we should be doing to stay within our sort of global carbon budget. And obviously, it's an excellent goal that's worth striving towards. I just unfortunately don't think it's realistic for, for our region, for the Western Balkans. Um, but I do want to say that even if we begin kind of to head down towards the, you know, down the path towards carbon neutrality, that'll still be something and it'll still be better than nothing, right? I mean, you know, it, maybe we won't be carbon neutral by 2050, but we will at least have started and that'll be a difference in and of itself. Uh, I'd also like to point out that the Western Balkan region is quite lucky to have some of Europe's, you know, last pristine forests in nature. And, you know, so that's already a head start for us. We do have natural carbon sinks, which is excellent. Um, if we start preserving them, if we start, you know, kind of managing our environmental resources adequately, that'll be an excellent sign. Uh, if we make a push to even start switching towards renewables, and, you know, I mean actual renewables and not like heavily subsidized, greenwashed, small hydropower plants, that would also be excellent. Um, and in any case, I would like to point out, you know, the weight of the world, it's, it's not on our shoulders, right? If wealthier and more developed countries do their parts to work towards carbon neutrality, that would also be very helpful on a global scale. Um, you know, frequently the Western Balkans were under really heavy scrutiny due to corruption and political malfeasances and socioeconomic difficulties and environmental challenges and whatever. And that's fair, right? It's, it's fair. We definitely do face all of these problems. But I do think in terms of carbon neutrality and achieving net zero emissions, we should all kind of take a step back, right? And recognize that, you know, many far wealthier countries aren't even doing their parts. You know, they're, they're contributing far more to emissions than we are and they're not trying to really mitigate it. That's not to say that we're free of blame, obviously, because we're not, and I think everyone should be doing their part. Um, you know, but it's it's also not fair to expect us to kind of be able to reach carbon neutrality so quickly when resources are limited, when we're so far behind in a lot of these things, and there's essentially no political will to do so, uh, which unfortunately doesn't appear to be changing in, in many of our countries anytime soon. So ultimately, you know, while I do believe that our progress towards achieving a carbon neutral future can be accelerated with international support and aid and whatever, I would like to stress the importance of intra-regional support and cooperation for this, right? So I think cooperation among Western Balkan nations will really be our only saving grace. Um, and so not only for environmental and climate projects and that sort of thing, but also, you know, socioeconomically in, in terms of political development and, and what have you, uh, you know, because most of the Western Balkan nations were not members of the European Union, and as was evidenced by, you know, North, North Macedonia's recent tribulations, our, our roads to the EU are very rocky and dubious, to say, the, to say the least, you know what I mean? So we really can only hope for regional cooperation to make a long-lasting change. Ultimately, I think at least there has to be an internal desire to change, um, right? We have to foster a political will that's organic, that stems from inside of the country, that stems from inside of the region, that's not brought to us by, you know, some external actor or organization. Um, and I think that's the only way we'll be able to achieve any, you know, change that's organic and capable of being sustained, you know, 20 or 30 years from now. And I do think that would be our best hope for achieving a carbon neutral future as well, even if that doesn't necessarily happen by 2050. Zvezda, uh, from one to 10, how big the probability is for the countries in the region that will become carbon neutral by 2050? For Macedonia and Montenegro, it's practically 10. 
for Kosovo, uh, it's possible because they are having just one big polluter. So if they decide it very seriously, they can close it. So I would say, let's say six or seven for, Mont uh, for, for Bosnia and Serbia, it is rather hard to even imagine with this political structure and with the institutional and investment structure. So I would say that uh, from one to 10, Serbia and, uh, and Bosnia, it's most probably nine, eight or nine, or even 10 that they, they will just not, not do the uh, sufficient to have this uh, green transition. All right, this was the second round of Inclusive Plug powered by Reconomy. We have interesting topics coming up, so stay tuned and hit the subscribe button. Whether you agree or disagree with the ideas expressed by our guests, please send us your feedback or comments. This was Sabine, a communication manager at Reconomy, a program of the Swedish International Development Cooperation Agency implemented by Helvetas in 12 countries in Eastern Europe, South Caucasus, and the Western Balkans. Thank you for tuning in and see you soon.